Warning. This episode of Case Craze may include some or all of the following as it pertains to the cases discussed. Graphic depictions of violence, sexual assault, hate speech, abuse of a minor, domestic abuse, animal abuse, and strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Calling all true crime fans, this is Case Craze. Theodore Robert Bundy, you are charged, indictment, two counts, burglary, Two counts murder in the first degree. Please note that all of this information is also available on my website, casecrazepodcast.com. All of the sources will be listed there as well, along with transcribed podcast episodes. The globalmissingkids.org said it best. One missing child is one too many. Statistics show that in Australia, an estimated 20,000 children are reported missing every year. Canada, 45,000. Germany, 100,000. India, 96,000. Jamaica, almost 2,000. Russia, 45,000. Spain, 20,000. The United Kingdom, almost 113,000. And lastly, the United States. An estimated 460,000 children are reported missing every year, according to the FBI. The number of missing children seems to fluctuate. Almost every website that I looked, the number varied, but again, still too high. Ernie Allen, who is the president of National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, says an average of 57% of them come home alive, 40% are killed, and the rest remains open cases. In India, a nationwide trade is separating children from their families. Every eight minutes, a child goes missing in this country, and they're often trafficked. Search teams found the body of a young boy in Bird Creek around 46th Street. Police are praising two good Samaritans who helped find a kidnapped eight-year-old girl and a seven-month-old baby, Adele. But in 1998, the pair vanished. I hold out hope every day. It was Grace Mullane's 22nd birthday last weekend. She went out in Auckland on Saturday night and this CCTV image is the last confirmed sighting of her. No parent should ever have to endure anything like this and nobody thinks it will happen to them. However, on October 1st, 1993, 12-year-old Polly Class was at her mother's house. Her mother was asleep along with her younger sister. Polly was downstairs having a slumber party with her two friends. And then somehow, at 10.30 p.m., an unknown assailant goes into Polly's bedroom and abducts her at knife point. Before he does this, he ties up the three girls, covering Polly's friends' heads with a pillowcase. He told Polly's friends to count to a thousand, and this is where he took Polly into the night, and she was never seen again. He walked right in through an unlocked 
back door. Fortunately for Polly, her friends were able to get a composite sketch of the man who kidnapped her. They described him as tall and with a beard. They said that the man was believed to have been over six feet tall, between his 30s and 40s, and he demanded to know which one of the girls lived in the house. Polly identified herself, and he demanded then to know where the valuables were. She tried to point him in the direction of the valuables, however, he just picked her up instead. At the time, Polly was only about 80 pounds, four foot 10. And about 20 minutes later, the friends were able to free themselves and call for help. Polly's mother was known to have lived in a peaceful suburban community. No one could wrap their head around why this happened. Suddenly, it was all hands on deck. It is said that local print shops printed more than a million pictures of Polly. Over 4,000 people helped search for Polly. The kidnapping of Polly was put on shows such as 2020 and America's Most Wanted. An all points bulletin or an APB was put out with the suspect's information on it. This was broadcast within 30 minutes of the kidnapping. It is important to note though that this only reached the Sonoma County Sheriff's Channel 1, which unfortunately would not be broad enough. During a press conference, the Petaluma Police Sergeant Mike Kearns was quoted saying, We have no motives, no demands, no ransoms, no suspects. FBI spokesperson Rick Smith said, A home is a place where we all feel safe, where our children are safe. To have someone come in and steal one of our children makes us all feel uneasy and emotionally involved. People of all walks of life came to help find Polly. People even showed up who have lost their own children, such as David Collins, whose son Kevin vanished from a San Francisco bus stop in the early 80s. Polly's father, Mark Klass, was completely overwhelmed by the support of the community. There was even a center for volunteers to help, where at one point there were about 50 to 100 people there. Petaluma native and actress Winona Ryder offered a $200,000 reward to find Polly. Polly's favorite book was Little Women, which Winona Ryder had played a part in. She dedicated the movie to her and helped pay for this reward. If I were gonna be a writer, I'd go to New York and pursue the stage. Are you shocked? Very. Law enforcement and other people had an assumption about Polly's parents at first, wondering if this was some sort of custody dispute, seeing as they were not together. However, Mark Klass and Eve Nicole, Polly's parents, said that there was no way that this was the case, and there was absolutely no animosity between the two of them. Meanwhile, about 20 miles north of Petaluma, a babysitter notices something a little off. I was not able to find too many details on who these people were. However, it is very important. This babysitter is heading to her employer's house when she notices that a suspicious vehicle is stuck in the ditch right outside of it, right on the driveway. She calls her employer, lets her know that there is a weird car outside stuck in the ditch. Now, the babysitter having the daughter in the back seat decides to turn right back around and not go any further until the property owner came home. And once they did, she immediately phoned the police. Two deputies were sent out to the scene. When they arrived on the scene, they came across a man named Richard Allen Davis. So they ran his plates, his driver's license, and they weren't able to find anything in their system. No wants, no warrants, nothing on the guy. And this is important to note that quoted, under California law, a civilian may make an arrest for this type of misdemeanor for trespassing and being on their property. However, the property owner did not want to do this. They were able to call a tow truck, get his car out of the ditch. They searched the vehicle thoroughly and didn't find anything too incriminating. However, they did find a beer can. That was open, however, it was completely empty. But 
this did not give Richard an open container violation because he wasn't technically driving when the police were sent to the scene, therefore making it not illegal. So all the deputies told him to do was pour out the beer and they filled out an FI form, which is a field interrogation card. I've also heard this to be called the field interview card. And I was able to find online that an FI card may be used to document a contact which does not rise to the level of an arrest or citation, such as a traffic citation or local ordinance violation being used. I will have the link to that quote on my website. Fast forward to late November, 1993. This same property owner was walking around outside. She had some people working on the property and she wanted to, I believe, just check in on them and look around at the work that they had done. Now this is where the property owner would find something interesting, a torn pair of ballet leggings. Now remember that the All Points Bulletin or the APB did not reach this channel, so the police officers didn't really know about the kidnapping of Polly. They probably didn't suspect Richard of anything other than just getting his car stuck in a ditch. Now back at Eve Nichols' residence where Polly was last seen, detectives were working tirelessly to try and get any clues of who this guy was. They were able to find a palm print. It wasn't too big, but it was enough to keep a record of. Now, this property owner immediately called her local sheriff's department to report her finding of these leggings. It was too odd for these to be on her property. Now, the FBI crime laboratory noted this matched another part of the legging found in Polly's room. Now, because of the FI card that the deputies had written out for Richard Allen Davis, the palm print, and now part of this ballet legging, they were able to make an arrest. Petaluma Police Department and the FBI were busy interrogating Richard while a thorough search was conducted for Polly. On December 3rd, over 500 search members went looking for her. Team members from over 20 different agencies and people from all over, from other parts of California and Nevada. This search would continue until December 4th. However, they did not find any human remains or anything else linking Polly to that area. While of course they wanted to keep searching, they weren't finding anything. But fortunately for everybody, Richard Allen Davis, on the night of December 4th, confessed to everything. He confessed to kidnapping and murdering Polly Class. They probably wouldn't have found her until Richard Allen Davis led deputies to her body. The very shallow gravesite was located about 300 road miles away from where the search team was. While, yes, he did confess, he wasn't being too cooperative with the investigators on the case. They do believe, however, that Polly was in the car whenever it got stuck, and he must have hid her body somewhere, losing the legging or the ballet tights. They do think he also chose this gravesite in advance, like it was completely planned. He was familiar with this area because he would drive there to meet his parole officer, and he was only on about three months of parole before committing this heinous crime. And as to be expected, Richard did not make it easy for anybody in court, including the parents of Polly. The trial was known to go on for far too long and was quoted to be tumultuous. Richard was known to flip both of his middle fingers to the courtroom cameras. He taunted Polly's parents and even claimed some horrible things, which I'll play for you now. It is quite disturbing though. I would also like to state for the record that the main reason I know that I did not attempt any lewd act that night was because of a statement the young girl made to me when walking her up the embankment. Just don't do me like my dad. I have to pay my dues 
So should Burn you. Burning hell, Davis. All right, that concludes the statement. Jacobs, do you have any uh, comments you want to make? So, as you heard, Richard claims that Polly was molested by her father, which they never found any proof of, and they never tried it. After Richard was saying these horrible things about the Class family, you can hear Mark Class audibly angry. Can you blame him? After shouting, and after Polly's mom was sobbing, Mark Class was escorted out of the courtroom. And then finally they reached a verdict. On June 18, 1996, Richard was convicted of first-degree murder in four special circumstances, which included robbery, burglary, kidnapping, and lewd act on a child. And on top of that, Richard was sentenced to death. Richard Allen Davis definitely had a track record, which is interesting that they were not able to find any warrants or any information on the guy when they first found him on the side of the road stuck in the ditch. He was a twice convicted kidnapper with a history of assaults against women. Richard also claims that the authorities would not let him have a lawyer. I highly doubt this. He claims he would have never admitted to anything had he had the help of a lawyer. During his time in prison, Richard apparently survived an attempted overdose, and he was also attacked multiple times by several prisoners, which was to be expected. He now sits in solitary confinement on death row at San Quentin Prison in California. However, in 2020, things kind of paused. There's now a twist to that sentence her father thought would happen eventually. He found out when he got called up for a meeting with the governor Tuesday afternoon. And near the end of the meeting, he said, well, we have to talk about the death penalty. And then he let it be known in no uncertain terms that there would be no executions, at least to the best of his power, during his administration. I died a little bit when I heard that. I became viscerally angry. The next day, on Wednesday, the governor signed an order on executions. The governor says a death penalty is ineffective, irreversible, and immoral. Mark Class sees it as fair. And I pointed out to him that that means that there's a very good chance that Paulie's killer will live longer than me. During the trial, Richard's lawyers were trying to use his rough childhood as an excuse. Richard was the middle child of five children born in San Francisco. Apparently, both of his parents were awful alcoholics, and apparently his mother would also punish him by burning him. They did divorce when he was 11, and the father looked after them mostly. However, he wasn't always around. It is also said that Richard suffered from hallucinations. So extreme that he would take a gun outside and shoot at what everyone else saw as nothing, and he didn't get along with either of his stepmothers. This is also a common and unfortunate occurrence. However, it is also known that Richard at a young age would torture and kill animals. He would set cats ablaze and would cut random stray dogs just for fun. His siblings, however, did like him. They said he would take care of them a lot due to the absence of their parents. He dropped out of school and was in and out of trouble quite frequently. He was told to join the army, but only after 13 months of service, he was discharged. In mid-October in the early 70s, Marlene Forrest was found dead in her home. There were suicide notes around her, making people believe that she had committed suicide. However, the night that she died, there was actually a party that Richard had attended. 
and Marlene's friends believed that Richard had something to do with it. Richard would talk to a psychiatrist frequently, saying that he heard voices, including her voice, telling him to do horrible things to her. He was then convicted of stealing, more burglaries, spending time after time in the county jail. There are at least 20 or more things that he was convicted of over his lifetime. Richard was later diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder. The things that he did are inexcusable. It's unfortunate to know that the missing children number will never hit zero. However, due to Polly's case and cases similar to hers, she has created a legacy for missing children everywhere. Polly's kidnapping resulted in two nonprofit organizations, which are 100% dedicated to help find missing children. Polly's father, Mark, founded Class Kids. This is a local-based organization that advocates for laws to protect children. Quoted saying, Class Kids have fingerprinted and photographed more than one million children, providing a record for law enforcement in case a child goes missing. The foundation is currently actively searching for children right now, and it also helps train search and rescue volunteers. Executive Director Rain Howe oversees the Poly Class Foundation, which has a similar methodology, where she says the kidnapping tactics have changed due to social media. Mark Class has also been quoted saying, I'm going to bring champagne to his execution. After this case in particular, California Highway Patrol or CHP changed their policies for radio broadcasts. So if this situation were to happen again, all APBs or similar bulletins are now broadcast on all police channels, centralized in the 911 dispatch system. Now, because of cases like Polly's, they have also initiated the Three Strikes Law. This was first implemented in early 1994. This was part of the United States Justice Department's anti-violence strategy. In cases like Richard's, a convicted felon with two other previous convictions would have to serve a mandatory life sentence in prison, which would implement a punishment to somebody who has committed more than two serious crimes, such as Richard. Now, this isn't just in California. This is in 28 states. They're known in some states as a persistent offender or a prior and persistent offender. Interestingly enough, though, it seems that misdemeanor and smaller charges could be applicable to this three strikes law in California, which not a lot of people agree with. I'm not sure how I feel about it either. I feel like it's entirely circumstantial. Polly was cremated and her ashes were spread across the Pacific Ocean by friends and family. Polly's birthday was actually January 3rd. She would have turned 40. Mark Class was quoted saying, I think about her daily. I would have hoped that she would be leading a happy life. I would like for the last thing for him to see would be my eyes just like the last thing that my daughter saw. If you would like to join a discussion, please join the Discord. You can find it on my website, casecrazepodcast.com. And please stay safe out there. I don't want to learn about you on the news. Mm -hmm.